Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine, perfectly orchestrated destiny for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. So if you don't know, this is, uh, obviously it is Father's Day. Um, if you, if you didn't know that, um, we'll lay hands on you later. We'll get you in the mind of Christ. I'm, uh, I'm really super honored to be a part of a church that I have to I have to be careful about saying stuff because people like to to make you say things you don't say by saying the opposite of things that you say. Okay, so well, let me do this. Can you all just not do that ever to me? Okay. Is that okay? Can we just like don't assume I'm saying something that I'm not saying when I'm not saying something that you think is the opposite of what I'm saying? Okay. So there's a lot of churches that are filled with gals. Because uh, I don't... There is a deficit of godly men in the world. And in America, there's a feminization that is taking place in our culture. And there's a feminization that is taking place in our church. That has emasculated the church and has emasculated the men of God. I don't think that it was, it was done purposefully by uh, anybody other than the enemy. And it is, it has caused incredible damage to our world. And in fact, even right now, there might even be some guys that are hearing me say this, and they're like, "Ah." So what we heard from prophetically from the pulpit was, you through the Spirit of God, there is a freedom. That is associated with your identity, that if you don't live in that, you're not actually free. God created men to be men, created women to be women, and if you cross that line, either way, you are going to lose identity. And some of you might even know some people that are like that. Where their identity is in their sexuality, or um, 
their identity is in the way they look or their identity. We've done that in our culture. We have made our identity about something that is supposed to be the fruit of an identity. My sexuality should be the fruit of my identity. My sexuality doesn't determine my identity. Okay, we're, we're doing all right? Okay. So you say words like that in the church and people get all breathless. But this is the reason that we have the problems in our culture because we won't talk about things that are important in our culture. And so then people have the world teach them things that are, the church is supposed to be teaching them and then we wonder why the people in the church look like the people of the world. So there is... There are fruits that are supposed to come out of your identity. My identity is a man of God. Should have fruits. Like honoring my wife. There, there, it used to be normal in masculine culture to want to be a knight in shining armor. A man who would fight for his gal, for his family, and nobody was going to take that away. It used to be normal for a man to value God... His children, his church, our nation was started by these men. The church was started by these men. And now, statistically, about 80% of the church's women. Who honestly are looking for men. And you're in a church, if you look around, you're in a 50-50 church. Like there's guys in here, there's gals in here. So this is good. I'm honored to have, to be a part of a church and also have in my life men that are men. And women who are women. My wife is a woman. Her two main purposes in life are to be my wife and to be the mother of our children. And she outranks the female secretary of state, the female doctor, the female lawyer, the fe- because those two, those are the highest, wife and mother. She's not just a wife. She's not just a homemaker. She's not just a mom. You, you, like God calls those things top. 
I'm, I'm, I'm husband, I'm father, I'm pastor. I'm mechanic, I'm lawn caretaker. <laughs> like everything else. And the reason that we've lost some of our society is because we don't get this right. Guys are, guys tend to be taught like you're, you have to be career. And then we wonder why guys let businesses or corporations own them. They're owned by a corporation and then they have some leftover time for their family. And their family feels like it, that they're leftovers. And I wonder why you lose connection with your kids. And and I know I've been here. Like, I had to repent from this. Thank God my kids were little and they didn't, you know, remember the terrible stuff. But this is, society wants to own you. God doesn't want to own you. I hear a lot of times I'm in churches and, and they talk about the Holy Spirit wants to possess you. God wants to possess you. That is the opposite of what God wants. God actually wants to release you. Satan wants to possess you. Society wants to possess you. Culture wants to possess you. Everything evil, demonic, and dark wants to possess you. God wants to make you free. That's why men are bound up. I know guys that the majority of their identity is in sports. They're having issues right now. I'm for real. I know a pastor that he knows more about the Cubs than he knows about Galatians. God bless him. Guess what's going on right now? And his church isn't open. I'm not, maybe I should have pulled that back. There is a high value in heaven, and there would be in this earth, for the men of God to be men, to teach their children to be men. And to influence their male friends to be men of God. And you are free to do that here. There is no emasculation taking place in this place. There is no feminization of men taking place in this place. And there is no masculinity of the gals that has taken place in this place. That was terrible language, but you got the idea. In the beginning, God created... I don't know why I'm doing this. I guess God's doing this. In the beginning, God created Adam. I'm going to do this real quick. You can go read your Bible later and make sure that I'm all on, on point. Adam was created whole. Adam was not he or she. Adam was they. If you don't believe me, read 
Genesis chapter 5, it says, In the day that God created them, he made them Adam. Them, he, she, them, fully complete. Adam. Which is what the world is trying to get us back into. It, like, like, fema males and he, she's and, and X, Y, Z's and whatever the stuff is. They're trying to do that. They're trying to mingle this back in a way that is not the way that God intended for it to be. Because them, the way God created it, was them spirit. Not them body. The enemy always takes it back to a carnal thing. Right? Mutilate your body and then you'll feel more natural. Take hormone increasers or decreasers or whatever and then you'll feel right. (laughs) Them were created. And then God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, Adam wasn't lonely. I don't know how to get in and get out of this without getting deep. Alright, Adam walked with God every day. Every day, Adam and God had a date. In the cool of the evening, Adam and God walked through the garden, had a great time, talked all the time. I'm sure Adam, anytime he wanted to have a conversation with the Father, he was right there. Adam had all of the animals, and let me just say this real quick, glorified animals in the garden, different than our animals. Our animals? Animals. (laughs) Glorified animals in the garden, they were a major benefit to humanity. And there was obviously a higher level of communication that took place in the garden because Adam called them what they were and they became what they were because Adam called them what they were. So Adam wasn't lonely. He wasn't like depressed. He he wasn't sitting with his therapist one day and saying, man, if I just had a, a gal. He didn't... He was complete inside. Okay, are are we... What God did, the reason it wasn't good was because Adam couldn't experience it. For those of you that are single, that you want to be together, if you're not complete in here, you will never, ever get complete out here. Because you're going to look for something on the outside to add value to the inside. God took at something from the inside and created value on the outside. Adam was complete, but he couldn't experience his completeness. So he took, God took she out of he. Took her from him. And you know what the world's trying to do right now? It's trying to mush them back together. And do it from a carnal, demonic, ungodly way. God separated it and called it good. 
the world's trying to put it back together and call it good. Now, does this mean like all the guys out there, you need to uh, walk around, burp and fart and grow hair out of your nose? No, that's not masculine. It's gross. I wish my wife was up here. She'd, she'd like give me a standing ovation. That's, that's what the world wants us. That's why they're trying to get guys to be gals. Because that's what guys think that a guy is. Right? Like you, you fight and you're dirty and you smell bad and you, you're unkept and all. That's not... The men of God, biblically the men of God, they, were, they weren't just dirty slobs that were running around doing stuff. Like David, the Bible said that David was a comely, he was a good looking fella. He was kept. He was a musician. He, one of the most world famous musicians ever. He's wrote stuff that people have been singing for like 3,500 years. Take that, Beethoven. He, he was a, he was a ladies guy. Had a few of those. Caused him some problems. And he was a man. And he slew a giant. And he led a nation. There's a lot of characteristics that goes into a godly man. The biggest characteristics for a godly man, the biggest characteristic, the singular greatest characteristic of a godly man is father. Father. God could have chose any name and we call him father he could have said my name is slave master my name is universe ruler my name is bow to me every time you mention my name he could have called his name anything and Jesus said when you talk to him you say, our Father. Father. There's no greater name. Twenty-five percent of every child in America has no one to call Father. of every child right now in America has no one to call father. And 25 more percent don't have a relationship with the one they do call father. Fifty percent of our nation is fatherless.
not a drug problem, not a video game problem, it's not a race problem, it's not a political problem, it's not an education system problem. A hundred years ago, we didn't have these problems. A hundred years ago, it was the most rare thing ever for children to not have someone to call father. Rare. Rare. Now, encouraged. Encouraged. The government will pay you money to not father your children. So you have gals that are being forced to be mom and dad. You got dads that think that what makes them a man is to run around and impregnate girls. And then you got children. The carnage of a society that doesn't honor father. And you walk up to these children and you say, the Father God loves you. And they bat their eyes at you like a frog in a hailstorm. saying, what is this word, Father? And what is this other word, love? We don't understand, Father. We don't understand love. And then we're going to tell kids when we're witnessing to them, the Father loves you. And we wonder why they don't get it. So fathers in this place, I, Pastor Steve Castle, and we, beloved church, deeply passionately and sincerely honor you. We value you. We appreciate you. We encourage you. Of all the things to be, be the best that one. Be the best that. And just the fruits of that will remedy our society for generations to come. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I stir up the gift of fathering on the inside of you. I strongly encourage you to give yourself permission To be father. A man after God's heart. To be a knight in shining armor for your wife. To be a guardian and parent to your children. To encourage other men. To embrace their identity as godly men. 
Fathers, it is not your job to be your children's friends. Your children have friends. They need a father. Be their father. And then when they're 80 and you're 100, you won't even know the difference and you can be their pal. At that point, they might be okay. But don't you dare get sucked into that. I've seen too many families ruined because the parents want to be their kids as friends. And then they wonder why their children treat them like their friends and dishonor them and devalue them and yell at them and hit them and scream at them and don't listen to them. They need a father, a mother. There's only two people on the planet that can fill that role. So be that. Amen. So after the service, fathers... We would like to give you meat and beer. The meat will be dried meat carcass called, I think, Slim Jims. And the beer will be root. Because <laughs> we're not going to be the church that gives a bunch of people beer and then tells them to drive home. So we're going to give you root beer. And if you're like me, you can have diet root beer. So we have dad's root beer, diet dad's root beer, and then meat sticks to give to the men. It might make a little hair grow on your chest. Um, it might not. If... Anything that I said was kind of like maybe not in your grid. I would be honored, and there are some other guys in the room that would be honored to walk and talk you through that. But understand that you have permission, and I would almost say a command by the Father to be men. And to truly embrace that. Doesn't mean running around smacking each other and doing stupid stuff. It means that you have the nature and the character of the Father. And if you don't do it, our children aren't going to have anything to have a parallel when we talk to them about Father God. A ton of gals that I try to minister to all over the world. I have a major, like, block, a wall when I try to minister to them about the love of God. Because they had a jacked up father. And so when I say father, they're immediately messed up. And they have to kind of rescue them out of that. So I almost have to talk to people about God. Because I can't take them to father. Because you say Father and there's all this stuff. That's never supposed to be there. My job as a parent was as quickly and as efficiently and as purely as I possibly could to get my kids from me as Father to Father. 
That's my job. My job as father is to get my kids from me as dad to father as God. He does a ton better job of fathering than I do. So my job was to get them to him as quick as possible. And then walk with them on that journey. Because we're all sons. So embrace that. Praise God. Do not forget to get your beer and meat after service because the leftovers going to my house would not be beneficial. I also if you're if you're in the in the house and you know that there's a guy that this might be a great opportunity for you to maybe break the ice or encourage them in their godly masculinity, please take some beer and meat for them. And maybe drive over there on the way home. It is not more important for you to go celebrate Father's Day than it is to go and encourage and love someone. The kingdom is more important than holidays. A changed life is more important than lunch. Acts chapter 4, please. If you do not have a Bible or a Bible app, please raise your hand. We will give you one for free. And I know almost nothing in our world is free, but I'm for realsies that this is free free. We're not going to swap it for your email address or anything like that. We're going to give it to you for free free. So if you need a Bible, a paper Bible, one that makes sounds when you... The reason I like the paper Bible is because when I say turn to, then I hear... It's like people value me. When I don't hear it, it's like I'm devalued. Nobody cares. Anything I got to say. I'll be okay. Thanks for praying for me, whoever did. Acts chapter 4. So real quick, Acts chapter 2 is the Holy Spirit introducing Himself to the church. Amen. They needed like a a 50-day like run-up because if the Holy Spirit would have came in like on the third day, it probably would have nuked everybody. So Jesus had to kind of prepare the guys for the Holy Spirit. It took them 50 days. They got it. God bless them. The Holy Spirit introduced Himself to the church. And He was a flame that consumed them. Which was <clears throat> very prophetic because John the Baptist said <clears throat> that Jesus was going to immerse people in fire. John the Baptist immersed people in water. Jesus immerses people in fire. Uh, This is just, I'm going to be, just be funny, okay? So, be funny with me. Baptists are cold. (laughs) 
Pentecostals hot. Just being funny. I know some of you, don't you dare talk about Baptists. John the Baptist, the, the baptism of John was to clean you from the world. That's what water baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality, which is I'm being washed. And you come up without sin. Jesus' baptism into fire makes it so, A, you can never get dirty again. I double dog dare you to try to make a fire dirty. Because the fire wins. The immersion in the Spirit makes it so that you can't get dirty anymore. And it makes it so anybody you come into contact with gets consumed. (laughs) I was really thinking that there was going to be a good amen on that. That's why don't you dare now. Because that would be... (laughs) be wrong John the Baptist wash Jesus consuming and invigorating the disciples before the day of Pentecost uh, struggle if you don't believe me read the gospels if I was Jesus I'd have been killing folks like how many that it's probably I counted it one time it was like 20 sometimes that Jesus said and again I say unto you (laughs) it it, for those of you that that do ministry pretty often like you're going to be like I'm saying this again I'm going to tell you again again I say unto you I'm thinking like you know Jesus said something to me I totally get it. (laughs) Sometimes we're like the disciples. Didn't I tell you that yesterday? Yeah, but I got it now. And then he tells you tomorrow. Before the day of Pentecost, the disciples were like... Like they were like luggage. He just kind of drug them along for the trip. Every once in a while they accomplish something. Like, way to go, buddy. Peter, you said that I'm the Christ. Wow, way to go. I'm going to actually build the church on that revelation. Good for you, little buddy. After the day of Pentecost, holy, back it off. Uncontrollable, runaway wildfire. The church in one hour explodes to 3,000 people. Before Pentecost, work, work, work. Struggle, struggle, struggle. After Pentecost, just everything they came into contact with, on fire. On fire. They could not handle them. uh, In Acts chapter 3, 
Peter and John headed to church, go to prayer. On their way to church, crippled guy, been crippled for over 40 years, who, this will probably mess with your theology, who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple in Jerusalem that Jesus was at a lot. A lot. So if you're picking up on my insinuation, Jesus walked by a cripple guy a lot. You being crippled isn't because of Jesus. Any physical problems in your body, any emotional problems, any addiction problems, any soul problems of any kind, the lamest, most ignorant thing you could ever possibly do is say, Jesus ain't healing me. Anyone, everyone that came to Jesus humbly to receive from Him got what they came for. Jesus ain't your problem. Jesus is your solution. The devil wants you to think God's your problem. God is your solution. The devil's your problem. Amen. Jesus, Jesus walked past this crippled fellow. The crippled fellow did not reach out to Jesus. Peter and John go to the temple at the time of prayer. They had prayer time at the temple. And the disciples went. Not that I'm trying to put in an advertisement for our prayer time on Sunday morning, but Peter and John, really good disciples who are really good in the kingdom, good Christians, actually went to prayer time. You want to empty out of church? Call a prayer meeting. You want to fill up a building? Call a worship meeting. Does anybody want to know why that happens? Okay, so if your relationship with God was like a marriage, and it is, we are the bride. The body of Christ is the bride. God is the groom. So it's actually like a marriage. In fact, if you, if you want to understand how to um, have a greater relationship with God, more intimacy with God, if you put it in that kind of a context, you'll actually understand some things and you'll probably get better. I need to understand bride because I am. Not only does it make my marriage better because then I understand how my wife thinks and understands things and what values she has, but it also makes me understand how God wants to treat me. And I need to understand groom. Gals, you need to understand groom. Because that's how Jesus ministers to you. That's how your husband should be ministering to you. So in the context of marriage, if we, if we put Christianity in the context of marriage, the prayer meeting, 
would be the equivalent of kind of coming home from work and talking to your spouse. Which people don't do anymore. You have to like almost set like a an iPhone calendar notification with a alert to spend time with someone. Because we just don't do that anymore. Just pass each other, you know, might send a text or a box or something like that. Yeah, this is how we're going to communicate. We don't do that where the family sits down and they have dinner and they talk about stuff. This is how the news can make you think what they want you to think. It used to be the news would give you information. Everybody would have dinner. For those of you that are as old as me or older, you remember that the news came on at 5 or 6, both. Local 5, National 6. You got information, and then you had dinner like 6.30. And then at dinner, you talked about all the information. And as kids... We understood how to process the information from our wise parents who understood the world better than us. So now that doesn't happen anymore, so that's why the news tells you what to think. So a prayer meeting would be like, after work, talking, intimacy, getting things worked out, getting plans for tomorrow. So then... That's why nobody goes to a prayer meeting. Well, then why does everybody go to worship? Because worship is sex. That's the same as like bedroom intimacy. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of stuff going on on the inside of you. There's, there's things that are happening that don't necessarily happen in other environments and other ways. It's like... That's why when you call a worship night, 200 people. Call a prayer meeting, two. (laughs) We've actually had people in our church in the past, we've actually had people in our church that would come for worship and leave. Felt like a spiritual prostitute. Like, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Glad you got your emotional fix. This right here, the ministry of the Word, this is life. This is what healthy people do all day long. They're communicating, they're growing, they're developing. Is worship important? Yes. All the married men in the room said amen. Why? <laughs> you guys, whoa, you just blew me away with your excitement over that. Um, that worship, super important. You need to have that. Prayer, very important. You need to have that. Ministry of the Word. You need to have that. Every part of the kingdom, every aspect of the kingdom is incredibly important in its place. And if one gets over the other, if you're just all about praise and worship, in context... That's going to give you a bad relationship. If the only thing that Kay and I had was the bedroom at the end of the day for the thing with the stuff, terrible marriage. Are you following me? Terrible marriage. The world is telling you that that's a good marriage, by the way. 
right? Just run around and do all that because that's really what's important. And then people come into the kingdom like, wow, this feels really good. I'm just going to do this. No. There's way more to a grown-up relationship than just the feel-good part. But just the Word. If the only thing that Kay and I did was sat at the, at the kitchen table and just talked all the time, we, there would be some things that would need to get done in order for us to grow in intimacy. Right. Please don't make me explain all this. <laughs> Everything in its place, in the right amount, in the right dynamic, with the right heart, all put together creates an incredibly blessed relationship anything outside of that um, so like if it's just all about prayer I'm, I'm probably not the only one anybody ever met these intercessor people God bless them uh, just so you know if you, if you call yourself an intercessor there's no such thing there, there's no such title in the body of Christ I know nobody probably in here. Intercession is something that we are all called to do. It's not a body part. <laughs> it's something we're all called to do. Worshipper. Well, I'm just a worshiper. That's my thing. No, it's not. We all are called to worship. I'm a theologian. All I want to do is study the Bible. No, stop it. You're called to have intimacy with the Lord too. If praise and worship is kind of like a whole hum for you, um, we probably need to talk about your marriage. And I'll be happy to do that with you. Not really happy, but like I'll do it. <laughs> if there's any part of that relationship, if you're, if you're in times of praise and worship with the Lord, you're just like, can this, Ryan, you said that like five times. Can you please go to the next song? When you're singing about the Creator of heaven and earth who died for you to give you an eternal life with Him. But, if you're like, oh, this guy's about to preach. He'll probably talk for an hour. Gosh. Clock speed up, clock speed up, clock speed up. Bible. Who wants to read the Bible? I can't even understand the Bible. I try to read the Bible. I can't understand the Bible. All it does, the Bible, Bible. Always talking about the Bible. That's a problem. This is Jesus' letter to you. If I wrote my wife a letter telling her how amazing she is, because this is really a book of identity, if I wrote her a letter telling her how amazing she is, and she never ever read it, and she just waited for me to come home, It wouldn't be beneficial for our relationship. 
But if I was home and all she wanted to do was read the letter, wouldn't be beneficial for our relationship. So make sure that you have the right balance and the right understanding of all the different places of the kingdom. And if one of those things, like if I just said something and it irritated you, that's probably an opportunity for you. You're going to say, okay, Lord, why is this, why do I struggle with this part? And if you want to be, if you want to be, be mature and healthy, you'll actually find out why you're struggling with that place and deal with it. Right? Kids just have problems and they keep them. Grown up mature people understand that there's issues and they deal with them. Amen? Amen. So then we get all the way to Acts 4 after this miraculous occurrence between Peter and John on the way to the time of prayer. And all these people get wrecked because there was this massive miracle of this over 40 year old guy who immediately and powerfully supernaturally receives healing by a couple of guys headed to a prayer meeting. This should be happening in our lives. We should be headed to a prayer meeting and run across somebody lame and just heal them. Okay, thank you for those two amens. So they get, uh, they get beat up, they get arrested, they get, uh, there's a big huge problem because they're not supposed to be healing people, I guess, in the church. It's like, uh, Kind of like our church today, like you're, just so you know, like you're at the weird church, the the church everybody makes fun of because we believe in healing. But they did the same thing then too. You believe in healing here, in the bot here, these are my notes, here, <laughs> Bible's better than my notes. If you believe in healing in here, you get persecuted and killed. But you're godly. You believe in healing in here, you get persecuted, not killed yet. But you're godly. It's a whole lot easier to not believe in healing and blame God for all the sick people. And then you get to, everybody likes you, because that's what everybody thinks. You're in the majority. You're safe. You're in the cool kid group. But if you work against the grain and you actually get out of the majority and you come over here, you know what's really fun? Laying hands on sick people and seeing them recover. Seeing the dead raised. Seeing cancers literally fall off of people. You want to have an exciting day? Do that one day. Amen. That other stuff? Boring. That's why people quit those churches. Verse 23. So they get all beat up and arrested and, and messed with, and then, um, and then they let them go because there wasn't a whole lot they could do to them. They actually uh, were very rebellious because they said, don't you dare ever preach in this Jesus name again and heal people. And they said, well, we're going to have to choose whether we do what you want us to do or whether we do what God wants us to do. This is kind of my stance on this whole fighting against the government thing. The government says, here's what you're going to do. And I'm like, well, here's what the Father says. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Dad. Because Pritzker's not my daddy. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. 
said, man, they threatened us and they said that they're going to do terrible stuff to us if we keep doing this preaching things. So what do you think, church? What should we do? And they that heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Complete, perfect unity in this particular church. And said, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, Why do the heathens rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Jesus, person, Christ, identity. Jesus Christ is not somebody's first and last name. It's not like Steve Castle. Jesus Christ. It's Jesus the Christ. Jesus person, the Christ identity. Purpose, nature. In fact, Christ in the Bible actually means the anointed one and his anointing. This is why we are the body of Christ. We are Christ. (laughs) I know a bunch of you are like, (laughs) we are the body of Christ. We are Christ. We are not Jesus. There's, there's a difference. Jesus is Christ. Jesus has the Spirit of Christ. And then the Spirit of Christ came and lived in us. And so now we have the Spirit of Christ. And so now we are doing Christ's work on earth as the body of Christ. Body of Jesus in heaven. Amen? Amen. Body of Christ in this building. Oh boy. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why does the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So the world is against us too, right? If you're going with the flow of this world, you are probably not going with God. This world is working against the things of God. By default, if you're working with God, they're working against you. The reason that that's uncomfortable is because we like to be comforted by the world. But God gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us when we're working against the world. God doesn't want you to live your life comfortable. He wants you to live your life comforted. There is a huge difference. The American dream is comfortable. God doesn't want you to have the American dream. He wants you to have the heavenly dream. Way ton better than the American dream. And you're going to need to be comforted. Because people are going to say terrible stuff about you. People might even do terrible stuff to you. They might threaten terrible stuff to your family. And if they're not doing any of the above, 
maybe you're not really a threat to them. I'll come back to this. For of a truth, verse 27, against the holy child Jesus. Do you see the difference? Christ and Jesus. Against the holy child Jesus, whom you have anointed, whom you have anointed, Jesus was Christ, the anointed Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles and the people of Israel and Pritzker were gathered together for... Does it, did I read it wrong? <laughs> For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. <laughs> and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Okay, so Peter and John, on the way to prayer, their boss... The, the, the lover of their soul was just crucified 50 days before. 50 some days. 52, 3, 4 days, whatever. Jesus was literally arrested, terribly beaten, and crucified for being a Christ in. 50 days later, you know, these guys were hanging out in the upper room. Why hang out in an attic? They weren't like super excited about going and wandering around the streets that just hung their balls. You following me? Like it wasn't like, it wasn't the coolest thing to be a Christian like a couple days after Jesus died on a cross and everybody watched him and mocked him and thousands of people said terrible things about him and like if you were one of his people, you're like, yeah, so you want to go hang out in the attic? Yeah, I'll meet you over there. I'm going to go the long way because I don't want to. They're, they're hiding. <laughs> I get it. Like, there's times that we don't want to tell everybody we're Christians. We're kind of ashamed of Christ, too. They get arrested after the day of Pentecost. Something's different. They come to the prayer meeting. They say, hey, they just arrested us. <laughs> and they threatened us. And they told us they're going to do terrible stuff to us if we don't stop preaching in Jesus' name. So they're all praying like, wow, Lord, check out all the world going freaky over your people and the vain things they're trying to do and all that. Lord, please give us more boldness. (laughs) Somebody's missing this. What we tend to do like, like, we'll come home like at school. They found out I was a Christian at school. They said terrible things to me. Oh, come here, honey. Let's pray for you. Lord, please don't let anybody ever know again that they're a Christian. Bible days. Hey, they just arrested me and threatened us and they beat us up and they put us in jail and they put us in stocks and they beat us with rods and they beat us with whips and they did all this because we're Christians. Let's pray. Yay! Lord, give us more boldness so more people know that we're Christians. (laughs) Amen. Because that's uncomfortable. Because we want to be comforted. The Holy Spirit comforts you 
when you're doing uncomfortable things. This word for boldness here is parousia, whatever. I don't know Greek like that. Which means boldness, freedom of speech, or confidence. Boldness, freedom of speech. Freedom of speech should be a term that we're familiar with if you've got your pocket constitution. If you don't have a pocket constitution, you better get one before you leave. Freedom of speech, boldness, confidence. Lord, give us more freedom of speech. You know, the best way to interpret freedom of speech is to just flip the two words. Freedom of speech is speech of freedom. It's a way better way to understand what they're talking about. Not freedom of speech like I have the right to tell dirty jokes at work and they can't fire me. That's not freedom of speech. That's ignorance and you need to be fired. That's not what the founding fathers meant. Freedom of speech. You can just say whatever you want anytime he wants. Oh, I'm sorry, First Amendment. I can say whatever I want. That's not the point. And this is what people understand about freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ is you don't get to do what you want to do. You don't get to go around irritating people and insulting people and say, well, I'm free in Christ. You can't get mad at me. Well, I'm free in Christ. And so roll me up a fatty, Bob. That's not freedom in Christ. It's not freedom to sin. It's not freedom to do stupid things to people. It's not freedom to hurt. It's the opposite. You are free from hurting people. You are free from addiction. You are free from sin. You are free from these things. You're free to love. There's no restraints whatsoever on the love that can flow from you. There's no restraints from the grace, from the power of God, from healing. Nothing is restraining any of the godliness to freely flow from you. Except you. So you know what you need to be free from above all things? You need to be free from you. Boldness. Speech of Freedom. If it doesn't have freedom speech in it, it's not anointed. (laughs) A lot of pastors think that they're good pastors. A lot of ministers think they're good ministers by legalizing their people. And telling them what to do. And telling them how they should be. And telling them what's godly and what's not godly. And trying to give them all these ordinances and laws. But the letter kills. Spirit gives life. My job is to minister the Spirit to you. So that life springs forth. I I am living incredibly holy today. Not because I'm trying to be holy. But because I'm trying to be free. The more freedom I live in, the more purity, the more holiness takes hold in my life because I don't want to be bound by anything. Porn will not own me. Uh, Evil thinking will not own me. People doing something to me and me carrying the memory of it and rehashing the memory every 10 minutes for the next 10 years, that's not going to own me. What you do to me is not going to own me because what Jesus has done for me is going to own me. 
If something happened to you when you were five and you still live there today, you need freedom. How in the world did you allow yourself to be put in that prison when you were five and then Jesus set you free from the prison and you don't walk out the door? You're free. Speech of freedom. That with all boldness, with all speech of freedom, we may speak your word. The word of God brings freedom. If you read this and you're like, oh God, I need to do that more. Dang it, I'm not doing that enough. I'm not doing that enough. It's because you're reading the Bible with the veil of Moses still over your face. I'm going to show you that in a minute. And behold, grant unto your servants that with all speech of freedom they may speak thy word. 30. By stretching forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy servant Jesus. By stretching forth your hand. Whose hand just healed the cripple guy? (laughs) You're all like, "Ah, trick question. It's not. The hand of Peter... If you read Acts 3, it says Peter stretched out his hand and grabbed the guy and pulled him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones were healed. But now they're praying here and they're saying, Jesus, you stretched forth your hand. So which is it? Yes. My hand is his hand. We can sing this stuff. My hands are the hands of Jesus. My feet are the feet. We can sing these songs. But when it comes to actually, actually, they're like, well, I'm not. That's blasphemy. God said to do it. <laughs> it's actually blasphemy to not. If I say that the only thing this is is Steve's hand, that's blaspheming. Feming? 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 Blaspheming. If that's all this is, then I need to get born again so this can be mine and his. Because the only way the hands of Jesus are going to get on people today is by the body of Christ that has the hands of Christ that goes to people. Amen. So by stretching forth the hand of Christ that's in the hand of Steve, some of you all don't believe me. Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to quote this because I've already messed up my time. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. Jesus told the disciples, the twelve guys, Go and when you are preaching, make sure that you tell people that the kingdom of God is in your hands. And when you tell them that the kingdom of God is in your hands, then you show them. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. (laughs) You probably need to write those verses down and look at them later. Jesus told the disciples, here's how you're going to have to do it. If you're going to go preach the kingdom, you've got to tell them that the kingdom's in your hand, and then you've got to show them with your hand that the kingdom's there. What's it look like? Healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead, and cleansing lepers. And so now we have church that's way more advanced than the church that Jesus was talking about. And now the church says, no, 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 we don't heal 
The kingdom is about you sitting there and tithing good. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's not about your tithe. Don't you love it when someone... God bless Bob. Don't you love it when someone tells you about finances in the kingdom and they're not trying to jerk money out of your wallet? And you're free to respond however you want to respond. This is way better because I've been in the meetings. Just lately, I was in a meeting and a preacher stood up there to do the offering. He said, the Lord's telling me that someone in here, oh, lots of someone's need to give exactly $500. You're laughing because you're around here. You know what the Spirit of God said on the inside of me? I won't say it. <laughs> I'm going to get back to the Scriptures. Second Corinthians. Go to second. I'm going to do this real fast. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 7. 2 Corinthians 3, 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones. Does anybody know what was written and engraven in stone was? Has anybody went to kids' church? It was what? The law. It was the Ten Commandments. That we're all trying to get really feisty about trying to put in front of our, in our, front of our uh, judicial halls. <laughs> so, the... Words that God's finger wrote in stone. The Bible calls it a ministration or a ministry of death. Has anybody ever seen this verse in the Bible before? The Ten Commandments is a literal ministry of death. Boy, howdy. I'm going to take you even deeper before I let you come up for air. The ministry of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious. <laughs> Why is that glorious? Because you needed to die. That was the whole point of the law is to say, man, you need to die. You're a terrible person. But what if I die? Jesus. So then you put all of your hope in Jesus and His resurrection. You should read the law and say, man, thank God I died because I was a terrible person. If you read the law and say, okay, I'm going to keep all of this. Woo, good luck for you. If the ministration, but if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be, gone, be done away. People are still trying to get into the glory of Moses. God bless their precious little hearts. Verse 8, how shall not the ministry of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation, I told you it was going to take you deeper before you had your brought up prayer. So the Bible calls the Ten Commandments, the law, a ministry of death, and then three verses later calls it a ministry of condemnation. <laughs> I know a bunch of you are like on tilt. This is the Bible. I didn't write it. God wrote it. 
The law was a ministry of death to kill you. It was a ministry of condemnation, so you realize, like, I can't do all this. And then you come to Jesus. You can't do all of it. You come to Jesus, and Jesus Christ, through you, is your hope of glory. For if the ministration of condemnation be glorious, much more does the ministration of righteousness succeed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. I could totally untangle that, but I can't right now. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. <laughs> now, he's using plain speech because a couple of verses ago is like, what? And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. The Bible says that the law of Moses is abolished. But their minds were blinded, <laughs> and still are today. For their minds were blinded, for until this day remains, this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. And I'd love to just break all this down, but I can't right now. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. People still want to read the law and try to be righteous and holy before God through the law. God bless you. Nevertheless, when it, your heart, shall turn away from the veil, turn away from the law, to the Lord, that's when the veil is removed. How does that happen? Verse 17, now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This baptism of fire, this Pentecost, this Spirit is the liberty that is going to give you an opportunity to experience the life that you were created to live free from everything that the fallen world has tried to do to you or is still trying to do to you. This fire of God, this person of the Holy Spirit wants to invigorate your life in a way that goes beyond anything you will get from just looking at the Old Testament and the way they lived and trying to emulate it. Because this Spirit of Christ brings Christ. You are not righteous because God gave you righteousness. You are righteous because God gave you Christ. You're not healed because God gave you healing. You are healed because God gave you Christ. You're not free because God gave you freedom. 
You are free because God gave you Christ. And the majority of the churches today try to keep you from having Christ. Stay away from that whole baptism of the Holy Spirit stuff. Stay away from that crazy stuff. They talk in weird tongues. You you think they talk in English in heaven? God bless you. God bless you. God's language goes way beyond English. English can't do it. You need this language. If you're going to talk to your father, there's a language that comes with this baptism that makes it way easier for you to talk to your father. And you need it. If you are in the building and you have never been immersed in fire, never been immersed in the Spirit of Christ, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, today is an opportunity for you. We're going to make this available. It's going to be awkward, but you'll be comforted. Because the Holy Spirit comforts you. It's going to be something that might be out there on the edge of your available ability mentally to grasp stuff. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Just shut your brain off and let your heart do it. When their hearts turns to the Lord, then the veil's taken away. doesn't say when their brain turns to the Lord, because your brain is going to say, tilt, 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 but your heart is going to say, please, please, please. We live from our brain way too much. Your brain has got you into a lot of trouble. We need to follow our hearts. Amen? So please rise. I would like to bless you and then anybody that wants to be immersed. I'm going to have you come forward and we're going to douse you and immerse you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have Pastor Bob and my mommy and I'm going to have me be dousing people. Thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His precious, life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is a place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, you who are greatly loved by the Father, I pray, I desire above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health to the degree that you allow that to saturate and prosper your soul. I pray that you receive these words and they change every aspect of your life. I love you. I'll see you again soon.